0: Have you ever stopped to think how close you are to losing everything you have? Or do you think you got everything all buttoned up nice? Modest mortgage, manageable credit card balance, sensibly priced vehicle, congratulations. When's the last time you saw a doctor, by the way?
1: Me coming from a $200,000 house to being homeless. I, I, I never seen that. I never thought I would end up to that point. When they say, You can become homeless just because you become sick. It's actually true.
0: This is Indebted. South Carolina Public Radio's deep dive into the ecosystem of debt in the Palmetto State. I'm Scott Morgan. In this episode, medical debt, the largest single contributor to personal debt in South Carolina, and a look into the very high cost of falling ill. I think by now you probably know how much I like a good metaphor. So where better to start a conversation about medical bills than a place called Healing Springs? There's a really good story about this place. Apparently some redcoats were left here for dead in the Revolutionary War. They drank the water and lived to fight another day. A couple centuries later, the guy who owned this place left it to God in his will. So it's actually not hyperbole to say this place is just divine. It's a good story, and one like the abominable snowman I really hope is true. But as you might suspect, I'm not here for the water, nor for the miracles. A friend of mine lives right down the road, and I'm here to see her.
2: If I'm only going to live to be 80 or 85, I've, got it. I've only got seven years to go. So I've got a lot to do in seven years, and I'm not willing to just sit around and do nothing because I only have seven years. You have maybe 20 or 30, so you can move slower. I can't. I, if I'm going to do it, I've got to hurry up. And I say that to people all the time, and they'll say, oh, you're going to live to be 100. I said, I hope not.
0: <laughs> Without exaggeration, at least half this podcast wouldn't exist if I hadn't met Cheryl Long at its outset. She's that person in town who cajoles people into doing public service and defines retirement by being on, I don't know, like 14 boards and committees. More importantly for a reporter, Cheryl is that person who knows everybody. The one who gently knocks on doors to introduce you to people you need to talk to or kicks in their doors and drags them out by the arm to make them talk to you. Suffice to say, I'm very happy she's on my side. But for all her involvement, for all her community service, for all her contacts in and around Barnwell County, Cheryl Long is paying her own way through an ever more jittery tower of medical and prescription bills that, were she not the take-no-bull type that she is, could legitimately bankrupt her.
2: One month we spent $3,200. One month, I didn't do it the next month because I thought, God, I can't do this.
0: Keep in mind that that $3,200 is just in prescriptions for a husband and wife team with insurance, and social security, and military benefits, since Cheryl's husband, Pat, was an Air Force vet. But if you want to know how to spend an entire living wage at the pharmacy, here.
2: He has multiple things wrong with him, and he has multiple doctors, and that's part of some of the problem. His ear doctor was in Aiken, and he sees him once every two or three years. In Charleston, he was going to the spine something. In Colombia, he was going to the heart doctor and the kidney doctor, and I don't know who. But what ended up happening was everybody was given medicine for their problem, but when you put them all together, this red pill is great for something, but it doesn't do well with this green pill. So when you put the red and the green together, he had another symptom.
0: What Cheryl's describing actually has an official name and a catchy one the prescription cascade. For every new symptom, there's a new prescription, for which there's a new symptom, for which there's a new specialist, for which there's a new prescription, for which there's a new symptom, for which there's a new specialist, for which there's a new prescription, for which there's a new specialist.
2: It's like you go to a doctor and it's the right arm and you tell him my left arm hurts. He says, come back or see my partner. So we all going crazy because we'd say something. They'd say, that's not me.
0: Pat ended up on so many medications, he developed Brain Freeze to the degree that doctors ran him through a six-hour test to see if he had developed dementia. Now, he hadn't. It was the side effect of a mix of medicines guaranteed to trigger brain freeze. But even after they figured out what it was, Pat's brain didn't come back 100 percent. Neither, of course, did the Long's bank account. I get a
2: retirement and I get a Social Security, but when you pay thirty-two or 3600 a month for two months, you're not living on your pension and your Social Security, you're living on a savings and I, I kept thinking, God, we can't afford that. We can't take that medicine.
0: Trust me when I tell you a lot of people are doing this kind of calculus on a regular basis, trying to figure out if they can pay for food or health care because they can't swing both. The World Health Organization reported in 2017 that almost a billion people in the world do math like this on a daily basis, and that half, half the population of the world lacks adequate access to health care. Feeding America found that two-thirds of Americans say they had made a choice between food and medical bills within the previous year. And if that's accurate, that's almost 220 million American people. More people than live in California, Texas, Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Georgia, North Carolina, Michigan, New Jersey, Virginia, Washington, and Arizona combined— it's six out of every ten people living in the world's richest country unable to access some of the greatest medical care there is because they can't afford it. Boy, that sounded pretty dire, didn't it? Well,
3: Hang on. Medical debt in our state is absolutely unconscionable. That people have the, because of the, you know, the audacity of, of, of getting ill or having a catastrophic illness, suddenly you find yourself with owing thousands of dollars.
0: So, you know how I keep saying things like, if you're not already financially sound, any little setback can break you? Well, imagine how much worse it is if you're not already financially sound and a big setback swims up and bites you on the backside. Or, you know what, don't imagine. We haven't spoken to Sue Berkowitz at SC Appleseed in a bit. Sue?
3: I mean, first of all, if you're uninsured, you're less likely to go to the doctor when things are not critical. When you go to the doctor or you end up in the emergency room, you're now sicker and you're going to be much more costly. If you have certain illness like uh, diabetes or high blood pressure, you end up having a stroke or you end up uh, maybe losing a limb because of amputation, because of uncontrolled diabetes. Well, now you're disabled and you can't work.
0: Real quick, South Carolina has one of the highest levels of uninsured residents of any state, translating to about 500,000 people or just about the entire state of Wyoming. In fact, we are the 12th worst state for uninsured residents overall. And our numbers get increasingly worse when you break them out to look at children, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, and Pacific Islanders, men in particular, and Latinx-Americans by a gigantic margin. But I'm sorry, where are my manners? Sue, you were about to not mince words, I believe.
3: When we're thinking about how Things snowball. It, it's upsetting to me that folks who make policy decisions are making it from their own life that they've lived instead of thinking about the well being of all the people of our state. And so when I see counties like Allendale and Marlboro and Marion that were left behind when th- times were good, it does not surprise me that people already racked up huge debt burdens.
0: You know, I don't think the political tension is high enough.
3: What say we crank it up a notch? You know, Medicaid expansion, if we were to expand Medicaid and get people health care, that person who may have diabetes or have high blood pressure could keep it under control and wouldn't end up going to the emergency room, would end up going to their primary care physician and keeping things, you know, so that they are able to at least not get so sick that they need an emergency room, but maybe stay healthy enough so that
0: they could go to work. Here's a fun game. Tell me who this is. Where I
2: come, for example, I think people are concerned about debt. And they can compare their own debt-laden situation with the government's debt-laden situation. And what's happening to each of them is of great concern to them. They're not ready yet for what it'll take to resolve this problem.
0: That's the guy who both sponsored and introduced the Affordable Care Act into the U.S. House in 2010. A bill that put South Carolina in the lead in efforts to craft affordable health care coverage, including, eventually, expanding the pool of people who could tap Medicaid benefits. But that two-step, sponsoring and introducing Obamacare into the House, ended Congressman John Spratt's decades in office in South Carolina's District 5. And a decade or so later, South Carolina isn't anywhere near expanding Medicaid, even with increasing federal benefits being offered to do so. Here's Governor Henry McMaster explaining in March of 2021 why South Carolina turned down pandemic relief funds offering hefty financial incentives for states to expand Medicaid.
2: Well, it's, it's too expensive. Uh, we would be getting federal funds to begin with. But then in just, I think, two years and we start paying about $200 million plus a year and it goes up and up and up. And it's just the other states that have, have been taking that or I, I think have, have taken the wrong way. The, the way the way to good health is, is good employment, good education, and what we're doing today, that's the better way. It always produces positive results, not only not bankrupt in the state or bankrupt in the system, but also uh, even adding to our prosperity.
0: In October of 2021, the nonprofit and nonpartisan South Carolina Institute of Medicine and Public Health issued a sweeping report on how states that have expanded Medicaid are doing in terms of public health. In Louisiana, for instance, Medicaid expansion reportedly improved access to care, shrank travel times to and from health care providers, and increased rates of preventative care. Mostly ditto in West Virginia, where hospitals reported saving approximately $51 million in uncompensated care costs after expanding Medicaid, which means fewer medical bills going into collections. At the beginning of the pandemic, there were 13 states that wouldn't expand Medicaid access to more of their residents. But COVID might have changed minds in Missouri and Oklahoma, which both took the deal by 2022. And now that Governor Roy Cooper has just signed North Carolina's Medicaid expansion adoption into reality last month, South Carolina is, stop me if you've heard this, among the last 10 states in the union.
4: The people who don't have access to any help with health insurance coverage because of that policy decision uh, these are some of the, the most vulnerable people in terms of poor health and, and having a low income. And so there have been a lot of studies showing the huge impact that uh, Medicaid expansion has in, in uh, reducing medical debt and improving people's financial
0: well-being. This is Michael Carpman, principal research associate in the Health Policy Center at the Urban Institute, which, in addition to finding that South Carolina is per capita one of the most debt-burdened states overall,
4: South Carolina,
0: which is ranked second in the nation
4: in terms of having the highest share of residents with medical debt and collections. One out of every four adults in South Carolina with a credit record has medical debt and collections on their credit report, with the median amount being around $1,000.
0: Debt in collections, remember, refers to debt that a collections agency has control of. But whoever holds title to your debt, the consequences of being in medical debt, says Cartman, can be pretty harsh
4: in terms of the fallout you know we we see that medical debt really appears to have uh, a lot of serious consequences where people are less likely to get care uh, they're more more likely to delay care that they need more likely to have difficulty paying for other basic needs like groceries and rent and then you know there there are serious uh, financial consequences where people are finding their credit score damaged a lot of people appear to to use credit card debt to pay off uh, medical bills, and, and w- which can lead to to paying um, very high interest rates and struggling to pay credit card balances. So, you know, in, in terms of a cascade of uh, financial challenges, it's certainly possible that, that medical debt can, can trigger that, you know, especially when if people are very sick, it might also be limiting their ability to work and, and reducing their earnings.
0: The COVID pandemic did a real number on medical debt, too. While stimulus payments brought existing medical debt down at first, a complicated string of issues related to the lingering pandemic itself has helped keep medical bills high in the mix. Michael Cartman estimates medical debt nationally is somewhere between $80 and $140 billion, depending on how much you count credit card balances that mask medical bills as consumer debt. In South Carolina, medical debt totaled about $3.5 billion last year, according to the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. I've said this before, but just to be clear, Sie können nicht leihen, um aus den Schulden herauszukommen. You cannot borrow your way out of debt. And isn't that obnoxiously easy for me to say? When I got sick, I couldn't work,
1: and, but I still had to pay rent. So I took my title
0: to title's loan place, and they gave me the loan that I needed. This is not Michelle Strickland but that's what we're calling her because that's what she wants you to know her as. But the interest rate was extremely high. I can't exactly remember what it was,
1: but it was crazy to say 300%.
0: I think that's what it was. Let me tell you a really short story. Just a few months ago, I borrowed $10,000 from my credit union to put an HVAC system in my house. My monthly bill to pay that back is about $328. Michelle's monthly bill from the title lender she went to when she ran out of options was closer to 350 dollars Ask her how much money she took out. I borrowed $1,000. No, it was $1,500, it was 1500 $1,500, and you had to pay 350 roughly? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay.
1: And um, I was paying back, like, oof, up in, like, a couple of thousand dollars. I don't know what it was. It was, like, three or $4,000 I was paying back. It was something that I had to do because um, the cars paid off and, I, you know, my health was
0: not good. I had no choice but to go ahead and get in debt because of that. Actually, like a lot of people weighed down by high-interest loans and medical bills, Michelle did have some choices. They were just all bad. I had to just make sacrifices.
1: I just had to move things around. Like, I just didn't buy as much food. You know, I just cut back on other stuff just to make sure I try to get that. I just really wanted to get that payment down, mainly because my sister had gave me that car. And I didn't want to get it, I didn't want it to get repoed, and I didn't want her to know I had got a, um, you know, a loan on
0: it. So I was like, oh my God, let me get this paid. She actually did get that title loan paid off, thanks to some financial help from her church. She had taken care of that nagging medical bill, and she got to keep the car that her sister had given her. And she helped her granddaughter get a car of her own, which really sounds like a happy ending, doesn't it? So then I started having
1: engine trouble with the same car. It was an 06. It was old, but I still tried to keep it, you know, because I didn't have, you know, a car note. The first service bill was 800 some odd dollars. I can't remember what it was. Got that done. I drove it for two months. Then all leaks started again. And then the radiator fan stopped working. It started running hot. And the guy said, he, went, he looked at it, he said, You know, I I think you just need to try to get another car. I didn't have any money. And then what happens? My granddaughter's cousin wrecked her car. (laughs) And I had just got that car. It was total lost. So we didn't get anything out of it. So I'm like, what am I to do? I'm stuck with a broken car with nothing to do. So I had to go get another title loan. And the result of that second title loan? They took the car because it went into default. And the reason why it went into default was because COVID. My clients got sick with COVID, and then I got sick with COVID, and I wasn't working.
0: It was just a bad situation. Michelle's life had been pretty good at one point, money-wise anyway. She says her late husband liked to spend money more than he liked to save it, but at least he had it to spend. It was her husband's illness that ultimately bled the finances, though and hers that eventually killed those finances. Not long after he had died, Michelle got sick, and the medical bills cost her her $200,000 house. Technically, I was homeless uh, up until I got displaced. So
1: when they say you can become homeless just because you become sick, it's actually true. You know, you wouldn't think, you couldn't, I would have never thought me coming from a $200,000 house to being homeless. I, I, I never seen that. I never thought I would end up to that point, driving a luxury car to pretty much not having a car, you know, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's possible. Her bills ravaged her credit score down to the low 500s too. She says she's gotten it back over six, not the good end of six, but certainly better than five something, and certainly better in her own apartment, rather than the shelter where she rode out much of the pandemic after she lost her home. I think it's time to meet our second Michelle.
5: Say close to 95% of our folks have medical collections that are coming through our door.
0: This particular Michelle is Michelle Lyons. And this time, Michelle really is the name of the person we're talking to. When we talked, Michelle was the financial wellness manager at United Ministries in Greenville. She has since moved on to be the director of financial stability at the United Way of Greenville. At United Ministries, Michelle Lyons saw a lot of people like Michelle Strickland, who came in carrying onerous debts made first by medical bills and then worse by turning to high-cost lenders to try to pay them down.
5: It's very rare that I'll see a credit report that doesn't have a medical collection on it.
0: There's a number I need to tell you about before we wrap things up for this episode. Actually, two. 678 and 41. 678 is the average credit score in South Carolina. 41 is the place we are when you rank states' average credit scores from best to worst. Now, 678 is in the good credit, a.k.a. prime, range, but just barely. Nine points less, and you're in non-prime territory. And you're asking, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that a loan that could give you a 3.5% interest in prime could tag you with more than 6.5% interest in non-prime. And it just gets way worse the deeper you sink into subprime and deep subprime.
5: Yeah, they can't get approved at a traditional bank or credit union because their credit score and medical collections are taken into account. I mean, one one collection on your credit score or one missed payment on something can drop your score 50, 60, 100 points. Um, so medical collections can affect some abil- someone's ability to even get housing. So getting renting an apartment, something that was completely out of their control will stop them from having a place to live.
0: If you're thinking back to what we were talking about earlier with the prescription cascade, ditto. Just as one medicine can trigger a new malady that begets another prescription that triggers another malady, so too can one medical debt cascade into ever-worsening outcomes. The bills especially pile up if you have to keep going to a doctor you can't afford. Or if you decide to stop going to the doctor because all your bills and the loans you're trying to use to eliminate them are just too high. Oh, and one last thing. One of the good things about South Carolina's debt protection laws is that lenders cannot garnish your wages for non-payment of bills. But here's the snag. They cannot garnish unless, of course, the bill is from a medical provider, because they're not lenders. True story. On the next episode of Indebted, an attempt to change your perceptions on who is prone to suffering the wrath of mounting debt. So you
4: have every year more doctors graduating with MD and DO degrees. That can't actually graduate from residency because there's not enough spots. But we don't have an, we don't have any problems handling handing them two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in student loans without guaranteeing them an income that could pay it back, right? And so the average is two hundred thousand dollars, and then you go to residency for three to five, and for some specialties, seven years. It's compounding at seven percent interest. That two hundred thousand dollar average turns into three hundred very quickly.
0: Eat the rich. Next time on Indebted. Indebted is a production of South Carolina Public Radio made possible by the financial support of the ETV Endowment. Our executive producer is Sean Birch, producer A.T. Shire, fact checker Keelan Bailey. Our deepest thanks to Cheryl Long, Sue Berkowitz, and our pair of Michelles, Lyons and Strickland, and of course to Michael Carpman and the Urban Institute for their many excellent resources used in this episode and others. You can find all episodes of this podcast series at our website, southcarolinapublicradio.org slash indebted. you can listen and share as many times as you like. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm Scott Morgan. Have an excellent day, and please be good to the world.